You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number six. Cue the music. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening today and tuning in to the podcast, wherever you are and wherever this finds you. I always appreciate you listening. This is your very first time listening, then welcome. Thanks for coming. And if you're coming back, thanks for coming back. If you're enjoying the podcast, man, I would love for you to head over to iTunes and Stitcher, leave a review there and subscribe. You can find that on iTunes by going to thelongerhall.com slash iTunes. That'll take you right there. Just helps me uh, move up in the rankings there a little bit. It helps other youth pastors, youth workers find the podcast and uh, get a little more help, hopefully. There, as always, extra resources, plenty of stuff for you at thelongerhall.com. The show notes from today's episode will be there at thelongerhall.com slash episode 006. You can follow me on Twitter at Jody Livingston, and of course, on Facebook. Again, all the links and resources mentioned today will be on those show notes. Man, I am stoked for you to listen to the episode today. It is packed full of great content. So if you're driving in the car listening to this or out for a run, uh, you're going to want to go back and listen to this again with a notepad near you. Nate Turner is a guest today on the show Nate is a youth pastor, phenomenal youth pastor that I've known for several years now. Also has a ministry or a business on the side that he does where he helps youth ministries craft vision. And he's going to kind of walk through that process with us today. And then you're going to want to stick around, especially at the end of the podcast. Nate's going to offer up something real special for the listeners, and he's going to tell you how to do that at the end. So great, great episode. Super excited today. Make sure you stick around for the end. And uh, with that said, we'll jump right into the interview. All right, I'm here with Nate Turner. Uh, And Nate's a great guy, good friend of mine, youth pastor, uh, great youth pastor with uh, just a solid, solid ministry, doing some really, really good things in that, as well as uh, just a great guy when it comes to crafting vision, helping others find and create uh, just strategy for how to be more effective in that. So welcome, Nate. Thanks for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks, Jody, for having me. So, Nate, um, for those who are listening who don't know you, why don't you take just a few minutes and introduce yourself, kind of tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. I am. uh, I I love students, and I love student ministry. In fact, uh, I've been doing it for almost two decades now, pushing that way, and really enjoy the process of, of helping students move from where they are to where they want to be, and, and ultimately from, from where they are to where God wants them to be. And so that's been part of my journey. My wife and I have been married for uh, almost 12 years. We've got two kids, one we adopted over the last few months, and so we are we're trying to get some sleep at the house, but we are enjoying <laughs> it right now. And um, I, I love I love a strategy. When I was in seminary, I did my master's of theology at Dallas Theological Seminary. And w- while I was there, I got to take a class on strategy. And for some reason, when I was in that class, it really kind of pushed me to start thinking strategically. And I did a lot of my study in leadership and 
and leadership development. And so as I was growing in leadership development, I learned this strategic planning process. And as I did, it was just something that, that I was, I became passionate about. And I remember a few years back, I was looking at our student ministry and kind of trying to wrap my head around, okay, what does it look like for us to be strategic in what we're doing? And I was sitting on the couch almost every night watching TV. And one night I just felt like, you know what, this is, uh, this isn't where I want to be. I want to do what I'm passionate about. I want to find some stuff that I'm passionate about and do that instead of sitting in the couch watching TV every night. And so I, I began to create the creative grid planning process, which is something that I do kind of on the side. It's, uh, it's something that I have grown in and really taken a few groups through and teaching them how to be more strategic. I, I went through the same process for that process with, with my student ministry here. And we really built a strategic plan around, okay, where do we want to go? Who do we want to be and how are we going to get there? Yeah. And that, I think that's so important for so many, uh, well, any ministry really, but a lot of, a lot of youth pastors. I mean, I think back when I was starting out in youth ministry, I had no clue what I was doing. I was just making, <laughs> you know, I was just making stuff up and we just it, show up and hang out with kids, right? Yeah. I thought that's what I was hired to do. And, but there was at the same time, there was this desire in me, because especially as a really young guy to do more and to push these students to accomplish more and to see God do these tremendous things. And it was a very, very, I mean, I had five kids. If everybody came and brought a friend, there was nobody there, but you just <laughs> felt like, okay, man, God can really get a hold of these kids and do something amazing. I just don't know how to bring that about. And I was reading every book I could find, which were not really that helpful, to be honest, at the time. And, uh, you know, you just kind of struggle to kind of get your feet under you and feel, okay, this is the direction, or this is a direction to go. And eventually you kind of stumble into that if you stay with it long enough. But having something off the front, someone to go to, to kind of help, help you articulate that and get you pointed in a direction is so, so important. You know, it's really interesting that we, we do student ministry for a long time and we, we, we get in a rut of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And really, we don't ever think about what we're doing from a big picture standpoint. Right. And when it comes to strategy, when it comes to uh, developing mission, vision, values, strategies, and goals, when it comes to those type of things, a lot of times we tend to not want to do those because we over-spiritualize the process and we think that it's not spiritual to do planning. Yes. And a lot of youth pastors think that way. And the truth is, if, if, we, if we allow God into the middle of our planning process— then we are going to have a spiritual plan. Yes. So let me ask you this. How early in the process should legit I mean should a youth pastor sit down and start planning? I mean like you're hired today, are you able week 1 to legitimately sit down and start planning those things out? And or, or is there a time like how far how far out do you have you to can. be? I think you can start immediately if you want to, but I don't think you can sit down and develop the whole thing immediately. In fact, for me, I think it's a team that needs yeah. to be doing the planning. I don't think it's just one guy. I think that the days of I'm going to go to the mountain and come back with a vision <laughs> and we're going to go do it, I think those days may be over uh, in some ways in ministry. And yeah. I think a lot of youth pastors live there for a long time. I'm going to go get the vision and come back. And then when they burned out and when they felt, when they felt broken or tired, there was no vision. Yeah. And, and a lot of youth ministries floundered in that. And so I would say that it's not that you need to go do it the first day. I think that there are probably some holes in your ministry if you start week one. There are probably some holes you need to fill before you can really 
kind of jump in there. Mark DeVries in his book, Sustainable Youth Ministry, talks about youth ministry as a plane that we are flying and building at the same time. And I really think that's, I think that's true. I think a lot of times you got to do a little building on the plane before you can really decide where it is exactly you're taking this plane. Yeah, I agree with that. When I came on staff here, where I am now, um, we sat down with our whole team, and we, we had a pretty good team. Um, when I got here, just like you said, not a lot of direction, really. And I had in mind, okay, here are, um, here are a few characteristics that we need to build within our students. I've written about mm-hmm. that before um, on the blog, but you know, here are five, six characteristics we want to build into our students. And so what I did then is I came in with, I brought the whole team in with a big whiteboard and I said, okay, I want you to list out the characteristics that you want to see in our students when they graduate. And so we just, we just made a list and there was a lot of things on that board, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a lot of things and some could be grouped underneath others, but there was a lot of things and said, okay, let's, let's narrow this and, and begin to, because we can't accomplish 50 things well, but we can accomplish, you know, five or six, and most of these things fall underneath one another. And so that's what we did. We we narrowed down to those five or six things, and they just happened to be the same things that I had before I came into that meeting. And that's that's not that hard to do. It wasn't that I manipulated that. It's just we all want the same things for our students. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. that got everybody on the same page literally from week one, mm-hmm. and, and then we crafted from there. I think it depends on the situation. I think you can walk into, if you walk into a good situation, you've got some really good, strong leaders. I think that's definitely something that you can step into almost immediately. I think you almost have to decide who's going to be on my team going over the next year, year and a half. Who's going to stick around? Who's not going to stick around? And when you, de- when you decide who that team is that's going to be surrounding you doing ministry, then you bring those people together and you can you can build a plan for where you're going to go over the next two years. I think you have to be a little careful because a lot of times we overestimate our abilities. We say we can do this in six months, but really the truth is you're not going to do that for another year, two year or two, maybe even three. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something else for me, my own ministry, and just a discipline. I think that I set long a long time ago is I just started goal setting right. Mm -hmm. uh, where do I want to be in six months? Where do I want us to be in six months, a year, three years, and five? And I really start at five and then realistically work back Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think, I think if you don't have that long-term end in mind, you you can't really set realistic short-term goals. Absolutely. And what's interesting is for me, goal setting is the last phase of the process. Yeah. Okay. So so let's, let's talk about the process because I know you've got, you've got a process that you walk guys through. Sure. Uh, or I guess not just guys, but youth pastors. Uh, yeah, I, I walk youth youth pastors and also really youth pastors in a select group of their teams. I usually ask them to pick about five to seven people to bring into a room. I try to get an odd number so that then if you have to come down to it and say, okay, let's just kind of take a straw poll on this and see where we're at. Usually it ends up with one side being uh, being the winner. I try not to get above eight just because then you get so many voices in the room, it's hard to actually hear where you're going. But we start out with mission. And a lot of people, they want to craft an amazing mission statement. And I think that's a great idea. I try to make sure that our, our teams come in and they, they craft a great mission statement. But I don't think a mission statement is the end-all, be-all. Um, you know, there are 
we all have the same mission. At the end of the day, we all have the same mission. It is the Great Commission. We have to go and make disciples of the world. That is, that's our mission. And so every mission statement for every student ministry should in some way encapsulate the Great Commission. Yes. And specifically the Great Commission with students. I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes when it comes to vision. I think a lot of guys, I say guys, y'all know what I mean. Like, I'm just using that as a generic term, but a lot of ministries, people, businesses even, but mm-hmm. especially youth ministries, confuse mission and vision. Oh, always. And is there I, a difference? Absolutely, there's a difference. Um, and, and really, what's what's hard about this is that sometimes in business and in a corporate culture, mission and vision have been flip-flopped a little bit. And so some businesses talk about vision as though it's mission and talk about mission as though it's vision. and Or they'll have this long mission statement that is actually more of a strategy than it is a mission statement. So if we, when we get down to what we talk about with strategy, most, a lot of mission statements really aren't mission statements per se. They're strategy statements. They talk about what we're going to do exactly instead of talking about the big picture. And mission is ultimately the big picture of if you were to take a 30,000 foot view of what it is, why we exist, you know, for us here at our church, our mission statement is, uh, we, we're taking a real savior to real students. Yeah. That's what we do. And that's a, it's a 30,000 foot view. It's not very specific. At the end of the day, if you were to ask, okay, how? That's strategy. Right. And most people want to jump directly from mission to strategy. They want to go, we exist to take a real savior to real students. Okay. How do we do that? Well, here are the three things we're going to do. But I think that, that vision is impor- so important that you've got to create it first. Before you start talking about strategy, you've got to create vision first. And here's the difference between mission and vision. Mission is that statement of why we exist. It's that 30,000-foot statement of why we exist. Vision is a picture of what it looks like if you were to accomplish that mission. So if you were to look around your student ministry and we're taking a real savior to real students and we're fully accomplishing that, what does that look like? And we want to paint a picture that's so clear and compelling and inspirational that people want to go after that picture, and that ultimately is vision. That's good. That's good. So start with mission. I mean mission, and then from from there, where? Well, from there we go. Actually, it's funny because we don't jump. We don't even jump straight to vision because uh, Peter Drucker, business guru, he he has a statement that I think works as well in churches as it would in any single business. And if you look around your church, you're going to find that it's true. He says that that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the culture of your church is going to determine what that picture, what that what vision you accomplish. And the culture that you're creating around your student ministry is either going to help you get towards your mission or it's going to kill your mission. So mission to... Mission to values, to values. Because values, values end up creating culture. It's the values that you own as part of your student ministry that are going to create your culture. The ultimate way that we create culture is by creating values. The values that, that we hold as a ministry, they are going to create the culture around us. And, and when it comes down to it, there are a couple of values even in our student ministry here that we've kind of tried to embrace that have really changed a lot of things. One uh, specifically is we, we say this, we say be awkward. And what we mean by that is be awkward so that others don't have to be. It's kind of a value statement that we have. And, and what we mean by that is that when, when somebody new walks in the door, you have to, we as students in our ministry 
and as adult leaders and me as the student pastor, we have to do the really awkward thing of walking over to them and introducing ourselves and bringing them into our group. And that's really awkward for us. But if we think about it, it's more awkward for them to walk into a room, not know anybody, and have to try to break into one of our circles. Yes. And we've talked about that before. I love that. I love that. And I stole that. I mean, let's be honest. I stole that from Mark DeVries in his book, Sustainable Youth Ministry. Um, he had, it was just a really brief snippet in his book, but I stole it because I thought, man, that is amazing. And, you know, the, the truth is for all of us in student ministry, we're, we're all stealing something from somewhere. Pretty much everything we do comes from what somebody else did somewhere. Uh, we pick and choose the parts that are just amazing and will work in our context. And it has worked in our context. Um, but we're creating our, we're creating vision around that value. Yes. So if you were to if you were to say, well, okay, well then what's the vision with that? The vision with that is that, you know, we we want to create a student ministry where people walk in the doors for the first time, and when they walk back out, they cannot wait to step through those doors again. Right. Now let me ask you this: How? Okay. So you go mission to values. Is there a number? How many values really are sustainable? I usually try to keep that number to around. Eight. Okay, so no more than eight. Yeah, I try. I mean, I try to keep it. I actually try to keep it around seven, maybe even six, if possible. Um, because if you create about six values, four or five of them are going to be actual values. They're going to be things that you actually value as an organization and a ministry. Um, they're going to be things that that you do naturally. It's going to be part of who you are, and they're going to lead toward accomplishing the mission. Those are the kind of things that it's just part of. It's part of your organization, and and you don't even have to really worry about trying to create it as a value. You're just more naming it, and you're creating vision around it. Um, you're creating a picture, an inspirational picture for people about where you want to be at the end of the day with that value. That's what that's ultimately what vision is going to be. And then usually I reserve two spots in the values list for what we call aspirational values. They're they're values that don't exist yet in your organization, but you really, really, really want them to. Okay, so you've got you've got your mission. Everybody's gonna, I mean, they may yeah. not be able to articulate it, but they understand it. Okay, then you've got your values. How do you communicate the values separately then from the vision once you get to that point, or is does that kind of go unsaid? I think values are are underlying, and you teach toward those values, or you can teach toward the vision. Right. They can either be spoken or unspoken. Gotcha. I think values help people to be inspired, or I'm mean, excuse me, vision helps people to be inspired to live out the values, which leads back to the mission. Ultimately, at the end of the day, so mission to values, and then how do you go from values to vision? Okay, this is the really hard part. I'm going to be really honest. This is probably the hardest part of strategic planning, and because most people who like strategic planning are your engineer. Uh, linear-minded folks. And vision requires somebody who has that artistic mindset, who's kind of a writer, a novelist, that kind of person, somebody who really likes to create pictures and word pictures. So vision is really, I think, one of the hardest pieces of the process because you're trying to take linear concepts and turn them into beautiful pictures. Yeah. And, and so, you've got to be able to think forward. You've got to be able to look into the future and say, okay, in five years... 10 years even in our student ministry, if we're accomplishing the value, if this value is fully lived out, this value of being awkward so that others don't have to be, what does that look like? So for the, for the listener, 
who's listening to this and going, oh man, that is not me. I am not artistic. I am not, my strength is not in vision, crafting, or casting. Where would you encourage them to look? Or how can they accomplish that if that's not their strength? Someone needs to be on your planning team. Somebody needs to be in your corner who's a picture person. So look around. And you, and, and what's funny is if you're not that kind of person and you really don't like that sort of thing, typically the kind of person, that person that is going to help you create vision is going to be the kind of person that drives you crazy. Right, right. And the same thing is true on the other end. If you're really good at cra- casting vision and creating vision, the kind of person you're going to need to create a good strategic plan, a good solid linear process is going to be the kind of person that drives you crazy. Um, so at the end of the day, you're going to need to look around and you're going to say, you know, who really thinks differently than me? Who's good at forward thinking? And, and they're, they may be the person that's always talking about inspirational type of things. They're always, they may be the person that sends you forwards of that sort of stuff, which would make me crazy, but I mean, they may be the right person for you. But really, you need that person who thinks in terms of pictures. And so begin to look around you and to think, okay, who, who's the inspirational person? Who's telling great stories? Who tells great stories in your ministry? Hmm. Yeah, that's good. and and find that type of person because you need somebody who can tell a really good story. So for the youth pastor um, who may be listening, who's volunteer or mm. they're bivocational, you know, and their ministry, you know, they've got five, ten kids. Is is this an essential process for them? Absolutely. I mean, does that look different for them in their context than it would? say, a ministry running, you know, 100, 200 or more? This is going to sound really crazy, but I almost think it's easier to shift a culture with less people. No, I would agree with that. And so when, if you're, what you're ultimately trying to do is to shape a culture that's going toward a mission, I, I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be a little easier now. I mean, granted, I know, you know, I think we've all been there where, where we're doing ministry with five, ten kids, and you look around and you go, yeah, I can change one of these kids. Right. You know, and you, you look around, you go, yeah, the, the other four, you know, two of them are here because their parents are forcing them to come. The other two are mostly apathetic. And I got the one kid who is really, really after it. And the truth is you're living the same thing that, that every single pastor and student pastor is living out in the country, uh, around the country, which is you've got the 20-60-20 rule. You've got the 20% of your kids that are going after it with everything they've got. you got the 60% that are, eh. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. And then you've got the 20% of your kids that are just, I mean, they're, they're the other way. And so I think it's just as important for that person to know where they want to get to. Because if really you just say, at the end of the day, I'm just, gonna, I'm just here to hang out with kids and, and I'm just a volunteer. If we take that, I'm just a volunteer mentality and we walk in the doors with, well, I'm just a volunteer. Our kids are going to sense that. Our students are going to sense that. Our leaders are going to sense that. The parents are going to sense that. And at the end of the day, nobody's going to be excited about where they're going because, eh, I'm just a volunteer. This is really, this really isn't that important. But if you say this is so important that we need to know where we're going to go and where we're going to get to, other people are going to sense that. They're going to experience that. And they're going to want to go after that too, even if it's only your one kid. Right. And so... In that okay, so in that context, because I, I want to step into that for a minute, because sure. So okay, I've been uh, in you know fifteen years, whatever. I've I've only served at three churches, and um, one of those for a very significant amount of time, 
relatively speaking, to youth ministry world, all three have been varying sizes. So, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was five kids in that first church, the second church I served at, there were no kids when I started, right? So uh, <laughs> eight years later, we left. We had about probably 45 there. Okay. That's unreal. And so now, in, you know, now I'm in a, in a ministry that's, you know, significantly larger. We get a few hundred kids. The what you're saying, I can, I man, is so true because it's just the percentages that have changed. Where at, at maybe that first church I served at, I had the one kid who really got it, you know? mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I, I don't even have to, I know exactly who I can think of him now. You know, progressively, those same issues have been in place. It's just, man, the, everybody wants a larger ministry, everybody wants a larger ministry, but the, the reality is, the bigger the ministry, the bigger the problems. It's the same problems; they're just magnified. So the same struggles and issues that you're having, you know, at a at a ministry with five kids, is the same that you're going to have if you're a ministry of five hundred kids. It's just on a greater scale. With within that, let me say, you you know, you're talking about seven or eight people, you know, or an odd number. So seven people getting seven people together in a room, right? Division, division, cast, craft. If I'm in a small church volunteering. I mean, you could find two people, right? And three of you could come together and do this. That's realistic. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so it's not, again, it's not, everybody wants to be part of a larger ministry. Those problems just scale up. You're, you're not any, you're not really at as much of an advantage as it would seem because there's, I don't care what size ministry you're in. There's never enough money. There's never enough volunteers. There's never enough space. There's never enough time. There's never enough resources. You know, it, it literally scales. So the problems don't change. And I really think that that's, I think God does that to us on purpose. I really do. I think that he, he does that to us on purpose so that we always feel a little bit desperate for him. We always feel a little bit as though we never feel comfortable where we are because we always know that we need him because we need more than we actually have. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really true at the end of the day when it comes down to that. And that's what I mean at the end of at the end of the strategic planning process that's what we come down to most of the time is that if this is going to work, yeah, this is a great process and it looks good on paper, but if it's going to work, God has to show up somewhere in the middle of all this because we really just can't make it happen. Yeah. And it has to scale from the start. You have to think from ter- in the terms of Whatever we set, the values, the goals, you know, all of this, the vision, it has to scale up if the ministry grows. And I think, too, yes. I'll say this, too. I think there is this myth that everything grows that's out there. I think Larry Osborne talks about this. There's, you know, everybody, all living things grow. And so if your ministry is alive and thriving, it should be growing. And I don't think that's true. I, I, I think... If you step back, things grow for a period and then and then they stop. If you know, if if I continue, winter always comes, right? If, if I continue to grow, there's something wrong with me, you know. And so, unless you are somehow enhancing that growth outside of the natural order or way, it it's not going to do that. So you're not going to, if you have a church that's running 200 as a whole, and you've got a hundred students coming. That's not a health. That's not a healthy situation. There's something desperately wrong at that point. Yeah, that is not a healthy situation. So, right, I, I th- right. There's a, but we all want to grow our ministries, but you, you, you can't. So, oh, let me ask this along that line. When we talk about mission, you know, vision, values, that kind of thing, 
what part does the overall vision of the church as a whole play in, mm. in you crafting a vision for your ministry? Well, I think that if, if the church has an overall vision, which, um, you know, if we're being really honest, that's not a huge majority of the churches. Most of them don't really have a clear, communicated, inspirational picture of where they're going to be going. But if the church does have uh, an inspirational, clear vision, then at the end of the day, you as a student ministry are coming back around and you're saying, okay, where could we align with that vision even in our student ministry? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is something, if, if your church has a clear vision, this, this needs to be on your radar. Because if your church is the kind of church that creates a clear vision, then you need to be, as a student pastor, aware of that and also in the process of trying to say, okay, how do we align with their vision and create our own vision so that we know where we're going because that's the kind of church you're a part of. I think a lot of guys get fired or quit and leave frustrated because they fail to recognize that. They come in and they set the direction of a student ministry in a direction that is not in line with where the church as a whole is going. And in mm-hmm. the end, I mean, that's that's you can see that conflict coming from. Yeah, a long time ago, uh, one of my first jobs out of uh, out of college in student ministry was with a church, a main, big mainline denominational church. And the truth was, uh, if you looked at it, and I mean, I figured it out about a little ways in. If you looked at the church and the direction the church was going as a whole, and you sat in a Sunday morning service, and you sat in our student ministry, they were polar opposites. That's not healthy for a church. It's not healthy for a youth group. And it's really common. It's terribly common. But at the end of the day, for me, there was a personal decision that had to be made. And I had to say, okay, I can either work here and know that I'm going to be trying to take a ministry in a different direction than the church, or I can say, you know what? The wisdom here says that it's wise for me at this point in time. And I really felt like God was moving in the middle of that too. I don't think it was just common sense. But it was also God in the middle of the process showing me there's a place where you're going to be moving toward the same vision. Now, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a perfect alignment. I think any guy who's out there or any lady who's out there doing student ministry and they're trying to find the perfect place, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. But I think they have to find a place where they can they can align with the vision of the church and where they're heading. I mean, that's that's for sure. And if your church doesn't have a vision, they don't have a clear vision – then by all means make one. Yeah. Create one. Yeah. Don't go against the don't don't purposefully go against the direction of the church. I mean the church probably already has a direction. They just may not say it out loud. But by all means be the one you be the person who's going to step out there and say, "Well, here's a picture of where we're going." Yeah, and I think you have to be careful in that process if you're in this situation where the church doesn't necessarily have a strong vision or direction, that you don't build something, maybe they're not articulating it, but you can clearly see the direction and the aim and the goals of the church. Yes. There is an extent where, yes, the student ministry can largely shape and help corral that to, to, an, to an extent. However, if you create a very dynamic ministry that's heading in a different direction, whether the vision is artic- articulated or not, you are not helping your students because they're going to leave your ministry and all they know is what you've given them. You've not set them up to successfully transition into church as a whole, mm-hmm. right? And so, man, I just see a lot of guys mess that up. And to look at to look at it the other way, um, because that's one of the common mistakes. If you look at it the other way, if you create a clear vision that 
is along the same lines of where the church is going, even if they haven't articulated it, people are going to be passionate about that. Yes. And, and the rest of the church is going to be excited about that because what you're creating is only making your church and the experience of your church and the life and the body of Christ there better. And it helps in every, like we, I do a course, you know, here on through the longer hall occasionally, it's not open all the time, but, but I'll open it up periodically on building the all-star team. Just how do you build a solid, good team <laughs> around you? Okay. Cause that, that is a big weakness in ministry. Right. We just kind of take whoever we can get. We plead from the pulpit and we get the wackos right. and the weirdos. The answer to that is blood, sweat, and tears, right? It's hard work and it's vision, right? 99% of youth pastors that I know, churches, but we'll, we'll, we'll speak to youth pastors, recruit on need and not on vision. And mm-hmm. that is a big problem. That's plugging holes in a sinking ship versus raising the sails. And you, you just cannot succeed over the longer haul with that. I mean, no, that's whatever, not trying to be whatever. I'm just saying down, you can't succeed for, you know, a sustainable ministry um, without the right people on on board. And you can't get the right people on board if you're not steering them towards a vision. Absolutely. So, okay. So mission, values, vision, and then what? Then we get to the how. So, so what is it that we do? And I, I like to talk about this whole process as a roadmap. If, if mission is kind of the 30,000 foot view, if it's kind of the, the satellite view of a map and uh, values are kind of the compass that help guide us. And if, if vision is the destination we're trying to get to, then, then strategy at the end of the day, strategy is the route that we're going to take. So if, if you were talking about how are you going to get to grandma's house and you've got to go over the, you know, you got to go over the river and through the woods, right. To get to grandma's house. And so those, you know, that that's the direction you're going to go. And so you might, if you're leaving from your house to go to, to, to your parents' house, you might know I need to go on, I'm going to need to take this road this far and I'm going to take this, this highway that far. And then I'm going to take a left onto this street and then I'm going to turn right into their house. And that route, that overall route is kind of how you get from where you are to where you want to be. And I think the same thing is true in our student ministry. You got to determine, okay, how are we going to get from where we are to where we want to be? Now, our church here, we have a defined strategy. We're, we're one of those churches that already develops that sort of thing. So the defined strategy for us is invest, connect, grow, and serve. So that's what our, when our strategic planning team went through it, we said, listen, this is what the church says. Is that what we want to adopt? And we said, absolutely, right? So yeah. so for us, it was a little easier in creating strategy. I've had other churches that, that came up with other acronyms um, to, to really express that. But really, at the end of the day, you're going to talk a little bit about worship. You're going to talk about a little bit about connection with others, connection with God. You're going to talk about growth. You're going to talk about serving. You're going to talk about those things as part of what, what your strategy is. I mean, strategy is usually broad pathways. It's not specific um, as far as that goes, that's where when when you get the specifics, that's where you really get into the goals of what you're going to do. Right. But strategy is kind of broad pathway. So, um, I have I've had uh, ministries who've, who've come up with there was one or, there was one um, acronym core that stands out to me. And um, if, if I'm trying to remember all the all the pieces of it, but they were they had outreach as part of what they were doing. They had um, relationships as part of what they're doing. They had education as part of what they're doing. Connection as part of what they were doing. So um, relationship with God is one of the, it was the R there. And so I have different organizations always come up with something different 
And so don't feel like you have to be someone else when you're creating a strategy for what you're going to do. But, but that strategy has to be able to get you from where you are to where you're going to be. And they're, they're just pieces you can talk about to, to know where the pathway is. So we're encouraging students to, here to invest. And ultimately yeah. for us, investing is being awkward so that others don't have to be. Right. And I think a strategy in the sense of what you're talking about is kind of, you know, you're kind of defining the highways you're going to get on to get there, the specifics even of those strategies and how you carry those out, they're going to change through the course of your ministry as the culture changes. Always. Um, as, and as strategy change. will change. Ultimately, at the end of the day, strategy will change um, as may change as may change as time goes by. So 10 years from now, you might say, you know what, that strategy was really great 10 years ago, but it's not really the exact, it's not really where we're going right now. So let's, let's look at the strategy and see what we need to change in order to be maybe even timely so that yeah. so that it's contemporary with the language that's being used in society. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't know. Ten years ago, if you nobody was talking about this, right? Oh yeah. I mean, so right. this conversation wouldn't have happened ten years ago. So the idea that that youth ministries needed a strategy and they needed a, some broad pathways was it was it would have been laughable, right? Right. Yeah. And so now, when we're talking about it on a podcast, <laughs> right? Well, you have to be able to reach the culture where they are. Exactly. And so those things will change. And I think vision will change over time. Missions shouldn't be changing over time. Very, I mean, if, if you're going to make a shift to it, it may just be restating the same thing. But usually mission never shifts. Vision will shift as time goes by, especially as you begin to accomplish those visions. Then you begin to look maybe to a bigger picture. Um, strategy, values, values don't, uh, typically don't change over time too much, except for your aspirational values might become actual values. And one of them might rise above one of your actual values. And then you may pick a couple of other aspirational values later on down the road that you want to try to make happen in your student ministry. Yeah, that's good. So from strategy then to... Yeah, strategy is is one of those things where uh, once you get that nailed down, you say, okay, then you, then you take that and you make them categories. So you make okay. your strategies categories that you're going to build goals under. Okay, okay. So you're, you're going to be building your goals underneath your strategies. How do we... How do we make sure that invest is a priority in our ministry? Well, for us, it was creating a student leadership team that was going to be in charge of welcoming students. And that's where God has met us in this process is I thought, okay, we can create this team and it'll be cool and kids will feel a little bit, they'll, they'll feel a little more welcome. And what has actually happened has been, has been absolutely different from that. We created a student leadership team and students feel like they're home. They feel like Pipeline, our student ministry here, they feel like Pipeline is home to them. Well, I just had a conversation, uh, kind of a unique opportunity this past week that kind of fell in. I was able to sit down with about 10 college students um, and just really ask any question I wanted. And so, wow. yeah, it was great. You know, wh- So the questions are like, where's the church failing you? Why, what's keeping you from really getting plugged in and connected? Um, what do you feel like churches don't know about you? What, what, if you could say anything, like, you know, fill in this blank. I wish my pastor or my church would know blank um, or understand blank about college students. Um, and what do you feel like you need that you're not getting? And one of the big things that, that came out of that for me was very clearly articulated by several is we want to be equipped and we want to be sent. Hmm. But we're always being told about the future and we're not being challenged about the now. And 
man, that, that is so true. And even in our student ministries, you know, youth ministries, these, these kids are being asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? You know, what, what college are you going to go to? What do you, when you get, right. I mean, we're doing purity weekends. We're talking about marriage, family, you know, where is the now? How do we equip them and send them now? And, uh, you know, I think what you're talking about is a great example of that in a, in a very small way, really, but is a very empowering. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's interesting because if, if we kind of take a little bit of what you just talked about and we kind of run it through the process, you know, the mission is to to make disciples of all of all the nations, right? Your your college students get that. They, they know that's their mission. And if you were to say, okay, well, what's my vision in helping them get what they what they want, what then, you know, how would you paint a picture around making sure that students feel called, equipped, and sent? Yeah. In a very timely process in your ministry. Yeah. It was awesome. You know, and it was the cool thing about that conversation was they weren't even really a part of my church, my ministry. Right. Um, I was wow, just that's, that's I was just really cool. somewhere. Um, kind of, I was really there more for just support in case something went wrong. And then they said, Hey, we're doing small groups. Would you like to lead one? Yes, I would. And so we, we <laughs> talked, we talked through the questions they had. And then I said, Hey, you're free to go if you need to get out of here. But if you want to stay, I want to use you for my selfish gain and profit. And they all stayed. And so because I wasn't their pastor, they, they were really honest, I feel like. And it was, it was so good. But again, it shows us in the student ministry and youth ministry where we're failing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're the product of what we're producing. And, and I think at the end of the day, our goal should be – our goals – so if we're, if we're going to take strategy and we're going to turn it into goals, then our goals should be around – they should be built around the needs of our students and how do we meet those needs over the next 3, 6, 12, 24 months. Yeah, so good. And that's, and that's ultimately what goals are. I mean, you, you're going to have a lot of three-month goals. From the big picture standpoint, we, our goals want to be big picture items. We don't want them to be too specific into what we do. Some of, them, we, some of them need to be very specific. But what I mean by this, I'll tell you a little bit about what we did. When we started our process, we said, uh, as one of our goals in our strategic planning process, we said, we, we want to plan these events. We want to plan more events over the next little over the next time frame. And we made that as one of our three-month goals. And we only had, I think we had a list of about six or seven three-month goals. We had four six-month goals, three-year goals, and two two-year goals. But when we looked at it, we said, we want to plan some more events over the three months. Well, the truth is, as a student ministry, that's what we do. Right. We plan events. I mean, that's a lot of what we do. So we don't want to put on our goals list. We want to put the goals, the things in our goals list that are actually going to be accomplishing the the strategy and the vision we want to be things that are pushing toward our values instead of okay plan more events that's way too broad and really at the end of the day I mean in student ministry a lot of times we are just event we do a lot of event planning not just event planning but we do a lot of event planning so it's not like that's out of the norm for us that's one that 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 student pastors and student ministries should be doing anyway now if you're not doing it then it needs to go on your goals list yes yes absolutely and again that. That's not dependent on size of ministry at all. No, it's not. Not at all. And your goals are going to be different than my goals. Right. And unique. The, now, when it comes to goals, you know, we talk about SMART goals a lot. They need to be specific. They need to be measurable. We need to know if we're actually attaining that goal. If we're, we need to know that, that it, and we need to know that it is attainable. It needs to not be unrealistic at that point in time. 
we need to know that we can get there. It needs to be realistic. That's the R in SMART. So, so specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and then timely. We need to say, okay, what kind of time frame are we going to accomplish this in? What's the date by which this needs to be done? Yeah. Well, and I think you need easy wins in that as well. Oh, totally. Early totally. and easy wins for your sake and for others. And I think if you're talking about a if you're talking about a three month goal, there's not a lot of action steps in three months. I mean, at the end of the day, that, that's going to need to get done pretty quickly. Right. So there's there's not a ton usually of action steps in a three month goal, but in a year goal, there need to be a lot of action steps, and those action steps need to be spread out throughout the course of the year so that by this date, we've done this much. By this date, we've done this much. By this date, we've done this much. So mission, start with mission. Yep. The overall picture, the, the 30,000 foot picture of, of what exactly it is and why we, why we exist. Then values. That's right. And those are the, those are kind of the sentiment of who we are. They are, they are ultimately the culture that we're creating. Uh, to vision. And that's the picture of what it looks like whenever our values are fully lived out. And then strategy. That's the broad pathway by which we're going to get from where we are to where we want to be. And ultimately to goals. Those are the ro- those are the landmarks along the path. They are the things we want to accomplish at specific moments in order to make sure that we're getting along that pathway to where we want to be. Man, those, that's so good. So good. Tons, tons of information that you've given. It's a, it's a great process, and I really feel like the magic in this process, the magic in the strategic planning process isn't in making a plan. It's actually making it happen. Yeah. And so having a plan is amazing and all the information is great. But at the end of the day, if you don't do anything, then you're going to end up in the same place you are right now. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we've got the process. And I think that's super helpful for anybody to walk through on that, right? And mm-hmm. this, this is the process that you walk folks through with, your, with Creative Grid partners. Is that right? That is, yeah. This is, that's basically what you heard is the Creative Grid process. But what I do... Um, with my creative grid planning process as I come in and I take your team ultimately through that process. We do a lot of storyboarding. We do a lot of uh, group think. We kind of collaborate a lot, but at the same time, we try to gain consensus on where it is that we're going. And uh, it's it's a great opportunity to really work together with a team. Uh, and, and that's usually, that's usually a about an eight-hour session. A, a lot of times we'll do it over the course of a Friday night, Saturday morning, but it's it's really a time where we walk through every single one of those pieces, put all of that together, and at the end you walk away with where you're going and how you're going to get there. So that's that's ultimately what the strategic planning process is for me with Creative Grid. It's defining mission, talking about values, deciding which values we're gonna we're gonna go after, creating a compelling picture, a vision of where we want to be, uh, defining the strategy of how to get from here to there, and then ultimately at the end of the day walking away with a set of goals that we're gonna accomplish over the next year, year and a half, two years. And then is there follow up with that or do they I mean how does that there's follow up and ultimately everybody walks away with what's great about it is that everybody on the team walks away with something that they're supposed to own going forward over the next year. Yeah. So they've got a f- couple of those goals that they have chosen and they're going to take ownership of. And you walk away with a one-page document that says, here's here's where we're going. And everyone knows what their next step is. And we do a little bit of coaching on the back end with the student pastor just to make sure that things they're following up with their team uh, and getting things done. Yeah, that's great. And so that's creativegridpartners.com? Yes, creativegridpartners.com. And if they want to find you out there in the webosphere? 
Yeah, the easiest way to find me, there's two easy ways to find me. One is if you go to creativegridpartners.com, you'll find all of what I do with Creative Grid. But then also if you want to uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's where I do a lot of my social media. Uh, and I am at Nate J. Turner, and that's N-A-T-E-J-T-U-R-N-E-R. You know, Jody, one thing that I want to do is I want to talk about the possibility of, uh, of us doing something for your listeners. Maybe uh, what I would love to do is give away uh, a conference call. I would love to do a Skype call or, or even um, possibly do a, a Google Hangout with someone who, is, who needs some help with strategy or with vision or, or with even maybe even creating mission. I, I'm not sure exactly what they would need, but, but what they can do is maybe comment on your post here. And if they comment on your post, you can draw one of those, one of those folks who's commented. You can draw from that list of names and I'll, I will uh, do an, I'll give away an hour of my time, um, and just do a little bit of a conversation with them trying to figure out how I can help them get from where they are to where they want to be. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I know I that'd, think that'd be, be great. That'd be really helpful, I know, for sure, for a bunch of folks. Thank you for doing that. That's great. Um, what about, before we go, any resources? I know you'd mentioned uh, sustainable youth ministry earlier. Yeah, I think as far as, uh, as far as planning goes, two that really jump out at me are first, uh, first, I always recommend sustainable youth ministry, and that's Mark DeVries, and that, that's D-E-V-R-I-E-S. And, uh, he's out of Nashville. Great guy. And he, he just has this, his book is phenomenal. It's a great, it's a great guide for anybody who's kind of rethinking how they're doing student ministry, especially for those of you who are out there that feel like you're flying the plane and trying to build the plane at the same time. His book is really phenomenal for that. It's not so much a student ministry strategy planning book as it is just some, some basics that you need to have down if you're going to do youth ministry. And then the other side of that is, uh, I, I love, and, and one of the, the men that I learned from in the strategic planning process was, was Aubrey Malfurs. And that's, uh, M-A-L-P-H-U-R-S. He has a great book called Advanced Strategic Planning. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming on, man. Such good stuff. I know a huge benefit for those listening, um, for sure. And thanks for, thanks for giving away the, the Skype call or the Google Hangout there. I'm just glad to be here and I'm, I'm thankful for, for the ability to do all of this. It's, it's been, it's really fun for me. Cool. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks, buddy. I'll catch you later. All right. We'll talk to you soon. What did I tell you? I mean, that was a phenomenal interview. Such good stuff there. Things I certainly wish I had had and had known early on in my ministry, earlier on in my ministry. And again, for Nate to offer up his time there and do some free consulting for you and help you craft that vision and kind of help you maybe push through where you are. Maybe you've got a vision, you're just kind of stuck and, uh, and he can kind of help you through that. So here's the deal. Uh, you can go to the show notes page at thelongerhall.com slash episode 006. That's thelongerhall.com slash episode 006. And leave a comment there below uh, the show notes on that page. And we'll give that till the end of March in, of 2015. So this, this episode is, is live on February 12th of 2015. So the end of March, that's about six weeks or so to go and leave a comment below that. And at the end of that, Nate will come through and uh, we'll pick who is going to be the winner of that. And man, that's a great, great opportunity. I hope you'll take advantage of that. Also, don't forget all of the links we mentioned, uh, the link to Nate's site there, as well as the resources he mentioned will be on there as well. 
Be sure to check out thelongerhall.com regularly for other resources and updates and blog posts there to help you along with your ministry. And again, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you're finding it helpful, please share it with somebody. Head over to iTunes, subscribe there, and leave a review. It really, really means a lot to me for you to do that. And that does it for this episode today. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode. And until then, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.